This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, guys. Welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered. Uh, We are blessed to be joined by Antonio Cromarty. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I see a potential cornerback one. I uh, can move very well. Does can play man to man very well. I think that he is a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He does things that are so amazing, and the competitor in him is just special. Um, I'm excited, man, and I I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set. Well, Houston, we have it. We have a new GM, and it's Nick Casario. Jack Easterby has done it again, and he has exerted his power on the Houston Texans, and he's gotten his way. Um, so welcome to another episode of Texans Unfiltered, joined by John Wade, and we have Jordan, a.k.a. Texans Thoughts. He is on with us a little early tonight, um, obviously given the nature of uh, the news and everything going on. He wanted to be a part of everything, so we're glad to have him. How do you guys feel? Uh, John, you go first. Um, well, honestly, overwhelmed is the best way to put it. A little disappointed, maybe. Um, I'm trying to reserve too strong of a reaction until head coach is hired. Um, right now, Nick Casario, if there was no Jack Easterby, I threw this out on Twitter two minutes before we got on. If there's no Jack Easterby, Nick Casario is a great hire. Like, he's experienced, he's still young. I mean, He's been with the Patriots since the beginning. He was very well thought after. Um, like, this is a guy that was even on the, like, for, like, the coordinator. Like, he knows football. He's, he's got a fairly good reputation. Um, so he could have been a slam dunk hire. The problem is Jack Easterby. That's the problem. This just screams Jack Easterby. Like, supposedly the two of them are best friends. And after everything that's come out about Jack, about him being, I mean, not even, even throwing away the Sports Illustrated article, if you just look at him being the consensus builder with some of the trades that went, went down, um, I mean, yeah, that, that's the problem. Like, right then and there, that's the issue. Like, is Jack Easterby still running the Houston Texans? Because this is what this hire signals to me. Yeah, um, I'm surprised that you guys are so so reserved, so calm. It's good. It's good. You guys are handling it a lot better than me because I'm damn furious. I'm furious. I'm throwing it all out there. I can't lie. I, I'm not. Maybe I'm not the best at holding in my emotions, but it is what it is. I'll probably sleep on it and, and hopefully feel better. But there's just so many thoughts racing through my mind right now, man. Like <laughs> this is literally the one person that I didn't want hired. The one. There were a lot of good GM candidates out there. A lot. There were more good GM candidates out there than there are openings. But we still managed to to get the guy, to get Cal and Joke's guy, who it's been that guy all along for two years. Nothing has changed in the past two years in Cal's mind. Despite everything that we've learned about Joke Easterby, to Cal, he's still his buddy. He's still his pal. Joke still got Cal wrapped around his finger. And that's wild to me. And like you said, John, like, Casario, Nick Casserole, I'm going to call him going forward, but Nick Casserole, like, in a vacuum on his own? Sure, I'm not going to be that mad about it. 
But joke got him here, and you don't bite off the hand that feeds you, right? That's the saying. And the fact that Joke and Cal flew to New England to bring Casario back with them, like clearly he was their guy all along. And so that's what's really maddening to me is that they threw out these these GM interviews saying um, Louis Riddick, um, all the other guys, Omar Khan, that, you know, we're actually very qualified guys for the position, in my opinion, whether Casario had the Joke connection or not, they'd still be more qualified for the GM position. But that's just my thoughts. I would flip for Omar, Omar Khan. Right. Like, the more I read up, dude, I, I started reading up about him, and I was like, dude, this guy would be so great. <sighs> but no. Yeah. Those were just pity interviews. Sorry, you go, Pat. You go. No, I mean, I agree. Um, Cal McNair spent a million dollars on Corn Ferry. He spent a million dollars of his fans' hard-earned money that they spent on this team to quite literally slap them in the face. It's that simple. This was a total sham. Um, the advisory committee that he had with Andre Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, you know, and those guys, it was a sham. It was pointless. Um, and now it's all coming out that, you know, even last week NFL Network put out a thing you know, they were talking about how Easterby doesn't have all this power and da 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 da. Well, now those same guys from NFL Network are, you know, laughing in our face. So, I mean, at this point, it is what it is. It sucks. Um, I can tell you one thing that I've talked to five different players tonight, and not a single one of them is happy. And. I'm going to go on record right now and say that this is easily the biggest mistake this team will ever make. Draw your own conclusions from it, but it's not going to end well. Something is going to happen unless they hit a home run with the head coaching hire. Something is going to happen over the next year that's going to drive this fan base to the point of never showing up to a game. Sorry, I think my wife was that, but you said something about the players. None of them. What? Sorry, I've talked to five, and not a single one of them is happy. Oof. They felt lied to. Yep. Um, they felt like none of their opinions mattered. Um, this is, like I said, this is going to be the biggest mistake this team has ever made. I feel lied to too. We were. We were lied to. Yeah. Cal McNair lied to us. He went out, like you said, he, he paid a million dollars for a, a search firm. He threw it out in the media that he's, he's assembling this committee to help him, whether that was more twisted by the media or by the Texans, whatever it is, that's, that's what happened. And it didn't matter because the one guy whose real voice actually mattered was Joe Keesterby. That's all. That's the only person whose opinion mattered. And it's crazy to me because you're letting a baby, you're letting a kid who has proven himself not capable of this job, you're letting him into the big boy table, and he is controlling the king in Cal. It's just so, so mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it's bad. And I think we should have known that something like this was going to happen. Um, that, you know, when, what was it, Monday the pictures, or maybe it was later Sunday afternoon, the pictures hit Twitter. This might have been last week even, um, of the direct message from Hannah McNair to the people that had the sign that said, fire Jack Easterby. And she was defending him. Yep. We should have known from the jump, from right then. So brainwashed. That's yeah. simply what it is. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm going to just ask y'all, Jordan, first. Is there anything Nick can do over prior to the draft, prior to the draft going well or whatnot, so to kind of win you over to feel a little bit more optimistic about him? He can fire Joe Keesterby. That's step number one. But on a more realistic note, he can hire a great head coach, right? That can still help save this team. Um, I still don't get why Eric Bieniemy and Robert Sala don't have an interview at the very least, but whatever. They're still He's linked to Brian Dabble. He's linked to Matt Eberflus. Those two I'll be very, very happy with. Um, so that's definitely a, a a good thing to look forward to. And then also, you know, he could go out there and, and give us our plan, his plan. 
for the future, right? Kind of the kind of the general direction that he wants to take this team, kind of the some of the ideas that he has, and, and that would kind of make me feel a bit more confident about him. But is that going to happen? Well, I don't know. Let's say he doesn't fire Jack Easterbeam. What other sort of steps would you feel are making progress to at least being on the right track? He's got to put Jack in his place and make sure he stays 100% in his lane and never crosses the double yellow line. Not once. And if anybody, in my opinion, is capable of that, it's Nick because they've worked together and he knows what Jack's role is supposed to be. Um, I just, to save this, he's got to make a home run hire for the head coach. And in my opinion, that's got to be one of the three, Brian Dabble, Eric Bieniemy, or Robert Sala. And I like the idea that Jack, Nick, Tim Kelly, and Brian Dabble all still share the same agent. I really like that. That's my one glimmer of hope right now that they can save this. All right. So is there any positives about Nick Casario himself other than him being, you know, other than his connections with Jack Easterby? Let's just kind of throw it all out. Let's try and let our listeners at least kind of sort of get to know Nick Casario for some of those that have never heard of him before. Is there any positives within himself or any other football-related concerns that we can kind of talk about? Yeah, so I guess to kind of give a quick background or bio of him, he was a former player. Um, He worked his way with the Patriots. He was a wide receiver coach and offensive assistant, and then he kind of climbed the ladder to more of the executive roles, and he's the the shadow GM for them, right? So, And what I've done with my research, what I've seen from my research is he does everything, basically, everything that you need. So there's a lot of candidates out there that they specialize in one thing, specialize in the draft, or they specialize in contracts. But with Casario, you're getting everything. You're getting a little bit of everything. So that definitely does have its benefits. He doesn't have to learn anything new on the job or adapt, right? So he's already got that experience, and he's got winning experience. He knows what it takes to build a winning, Super Bowl-winning franchise. Apart from that, I don't know, but that's what I think. Pat, do you got any thought on that? I mean, I like the idea that he's involved in literally every facet of the organization from the draft to free agency to contracts to practices. Like Jordan said, he was a wide receivers coach, took over as wide receiver coach when coincidentally Brian Dabble left um, one of the times. So um, I feel like he's got a good grasp on what it takes to build a winning organization. I just, I'm afraid that he will try to replicate what they've done up there. And we saw this year that that doesn't work without everything being perfect. You didn't have Tom Brady. You had Cam Newton. You had Julian Edelman part of the season, I think, because he was hurt some of it. Um, he had the corpse of Julian Edelman, and let's be real yeah, here. Like, he the same you know, he doesn't have – And it was Cam have, minus a shoulder. Yeah. Cam literally probably played the worst football of his career this past year. Um, and so we we realized that it's not always perfect. Like that system up there does not always work. So I just hope that he can come down here, blaze his own path, be his own guy, use his experiences and build off of it and, you know, and hire the right people to make this organization as successful as the Patriots were. Who knows? I could be completely wrong, and in five years, they've already won three Super Bowls. But I'm not going to hold my breath. So what do you think he's going to come in here and do from day one that's different from both of our previous uh, general managers, Bill O'Brien and and Brian Gaines? Like, what do you think he's going to step in and do differently? What do you – anything? I don't know. <laughs> the thing with me is that with Casario, when you try and do research about him, you don't find a whole lot of moves that he's credited with, not like in Ed Dodds or some of the other names. 
and also the fact that Belichick has also kind of overseen all those roles. So it's very hard to know what he's actually responsible for, what his actual, like, what, like you said, what he would do different. It's very hard to, to know that. And sorry, I'll add this one more thing to your last part of your question, but kind of like looking at the positives, like we talk about the Patriots success and we always point to Belichick and Brady, right? The GOAT coach, the GOAT quarterback. We've got a GOAT quarterback on our hands already. We've got part of the puzzle. We've got part of the formula. So if you're looking at those three main things, Casario, Belichick, and Watson, we've got two, right? We just got to – he's got to hit that head coach um, higher. He's got a home run. It's got to be that. That's that's what he needs. So that's kind of the last positive I got. Yeah, I mean, he's got some – he's definitely got the tools and – the weapon, some of the weapons here to build off of. And I think it, it's a very good situation for him to walk into. Um, he's got to just, like I said, hire the right people. And who knows? Omar Khan might not have been a real GM interview. It might have been an interview for another position on the staff, which would be excellent, right? Like this team really needs somebody to help them with contracts. They really need somebody to help them with scouting. So at the end of the day, Cal may look like a genius and have had all these interviews, and this has all been for Casario's staff. Um, but, you know, it's he's got a lot to do. Um, from day one, his biggest thing has got to be getting this team set up, not so much for 2021, but for 2022, when the draft capital, the premium draft capital is back and the money can be right. And that's going to start with making some hard decisions this offseason. One, obviously, being JJ. Um, another not so hard one, David Johnson, um, Randall Cobb, Brandon Cooks. You know, there's some, some moves that can be made. Um, we talk like it's really easy to do, but I think they can, uh, I think with the right people, he can do it. Yeah, and to kind of tie a bow on this before we get moving, because uh, we're already 15, 17 minutes in, um, the reason I have not stressed too much about the uh, GM search and even the, the coaching search is if you get the guys to come in and they just have a plan and they execute on that plan, we have Deshaun Watson. Like, we have the piece. Every other franchise out there, when they kind of argue about what job is the better job, there's not a better job than the Texans. We have a top three quarterback. You don't know what Lawrence is going to be coming in. You don't know what those draft picks are going to be over in Jack- Jacksonville. You just don't know. We know what we have. We have a cornerstone. We have a guy that if he stays healthy, can be a Hall of Fame level quarterback. This makes our job the best. And you can have idiots for coaches around Hall of Fame quarterbacks and be successful. It's been proven. Look at the guy that um, – look at McCarthy. Like, look what he did. He won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. Put him on Dallas, I mean, and you just see that he's, he's not that good of a coach. Like, you don't have to be the best coach in the world when you have that piece. So as long as the guy comes in and isn't completely clueless like Bill O'Brien and Easter Bunny were in managing the franchise and managing the players around him, just get average talent around him. Just get enough average talent around him. And I think we're going to be okay. So I don't think we need – I don't think we need to drive off a cliff and be too panicky until we find out what his relationship with Deshaun is. If he has a bad relationship with Deshaun, then, you know, then that, that's panic-worthy. That is very, very panic-worthy. I want to say one thing, and I've seen this name like 100 times in the comments. Josh McDaniels is not coming in as the head coach. I can guarantee you that. I will put my house on the line for that, but Josh McDaniels is not coming in as head coach. Well, that makes me feel instantly better, that alone. All right, news and notes. Who all have we been talking to? What's going on in the world out there, Pat? Anything fun? Yeah. Anything interesting? Got <laughs> a new GM? Um, no, nothing that I can really talk about. No, nothing. Jordan, anything not, you? not about like the coaching search, like the guys we've actually talked to and haven't talked to. Um, anybody that we signed from future, uh, futures contract that you're excited about? There's things been going on. Like, I mean, I know the GM kind of sucks all the air out of everything, 
but other things we would have talked about. Futures contracts don't ever excite me. It's just a lot of camp bodies. Yeah. So, I mean, the coaching search, you know, they interviewed Joe Brady, um, you know, and everybody kind of has a, a little bit of a hard on for Joe Brady. Well, one guy in specific, James. Um, Jordan's not that crazy about him, right? No, he's not, um, my, not my top guy, but. Um, they have not put in an interview request in for Robert Sala, Brian Dabble, or Eric Bieniemy yet. Um, <clears throat> uh, Iberflus is slated, and of course this is tentative, um, but they have the interview set for Sunday afternoon. They have a two-hour time slot already set for him. So that one is happening, um, unless, you know, Nick already has his guy, and it might be Joe Brady already. We don't know. But uh, I have a feeling it comes down to the two guys they're tied to the most right now, and that's Brady or Eber Blues. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand-new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you will receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Yeah, I guess we'll kind of just straight move into this. Um... Well, if I had to guess, um, our little power rankings has kind of been flipped upside down, correct? Yeah. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, depending on, like, how we feel about these coaches, I feel like it shouldn't change depending on how the Texans feel about them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I hear what you mean. Like, if we're, like, predicting them, yeah, definitely it flips. But, like, my thoughts haven't changed on based off of what we've heard. Yeah, for podcast listeners, we currently have Salah as our number one consensus, followed by Dabble, the enemy, Joe Brady, and Matt Eberflus. Um, based on the hiring of, of Casserole, so now that's going to be stuck in my head. Um, yeah. Based on that, um, his connections were with Eberflus and Dabble. But Joe Brady apparently blew everybody away. And the way that this has all been timing, he may, um, Casserole may have been in the room with that Joe Brady interview, the way the timing kind of works out. Am I wrong there? Very no. possible. Well, kind of, because Joe interviewed wrong. earlier in the day. Um, but how did he interview earlier in the day if Cal McNair was on a plane picking up? I feel like the timing's a little bit, a little bit questionable. It's when it was reported, but I feel like we don't really know. Unless Pat knows it, he just can't say it. But, but. I mean, He's the guy flies on a, a $5 million jet. <laughs> He flies on a $5 million jet. You don't think he has Wi-Fi? He's like, I hey, mean, I'm going to pick up your boss. I feel like they... To me, that's just it's confusing. So why would you come Brady, have Brady fly in for an in-person interview, but yeah. you're going to be on a you're plane? You're flying to go to New England? Yeah. Where, hold on. If that, if that, Where is this coming out that Cal went to go pick him up? Uh, the Chronicle no, wrote about it. article about it. Somebody. Is that what John said? I haven't uh, read his article. I don't know who wrote it, but yeah, someone's I, in the Chronicle. I think it was John McClain. So, <laughs> if that is true, if Cal McNair was on the airplane during Brady's interview, then Brady's not getting hired. They like these in-person interviews. That's what I'm noticing. Is they won't they won't talk to Dabble, who he's in the playoffs, so they can only do an in, online interview, right? So I don't know. In my mind, like. Cal, he's he's still set in his ways. He's 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 only gonna do it in person. He's not gonna do it online. He doesn't know how to download Zoom, whatever it is. I don't know, but oh man, my God, my God. Oh man, like yeah, that that's absolutely ridiculous. All right, so 
so to me, in my mind, um, Iberflus is Iberflus, Iberflus, I have to learn how to say his name correctly, is probably up there because he's actually, he was going to come over with Casario and McDaniels to the Colts, correct? Yes. Yes. So, so he, or that was the rumor, McDaniel backed out, and of course Casario backed out as well. Like, that was that whole deal with the Colts. Yeah. But Overflus was the first one that was hired. Reich's best hire was essentially doing the right thing and keeping him on staff because he was already offered. Mm-hmm. So there's that connection. He's Iberfus yeah. would be a, a really solid hire. Iberfus would be a great hire. I love him as a defensive mind. I think he's a great leader as well. Um, but then the only question is, who is his OC? He doesn't have the greatest connections there. So I think that's where um, I'm kind of worried about because I do want an offensive guy. Um, I would prefer Dabble, but I wouldn't be mad at Iberfus whatsoever. So like James just said in the chat, what if – the plane stopped in Carolina, picked up Joe, and then flew to New England to pick up Nick, and they were on the plane together. <laughs> That's possible. I mean, that was my question. Like, if it was, then Brady has, then it is Brady. Then it's probably between Brady and Eberflus. That would be some like, wild that, stuff. That's a great scenario, but no one knows. <laughs> I and mean, I was nothing, asking if you knew, but you won't answer. <laughs> nothing I, I don't. I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. I didn't even know that they flew to go get him. And that, I mean, that probably hasn't even been confirmed. Every day this franchise manages to surprise me, whether it's in the game or out of the game. They do something. something. So it's always entertaining, at least. We always got content for the people. <laughs> Jesus. No, no kidding. Um, so if you two have to choose, who are you going to go with? If it's Brady and Eberfuss. Eberflus, as well. Easily, yeah. I just like like experience is a big thing with me. We've seen with Bill O'Brien when you hire someone who's not experienced and you put him into a role that he has to learn on the fly and he's uncomfortable with. It's it's very hard. It's not impossible, but it just makes the job so much harder. And so while I see the potential with Joe Brady, maybe his ceiling is higher than a Matt Eberflus. The lack of experience really, really scares me. One year as an offensive coordinator, um, and then even not a whole lot of coaching prior to that. So it's just, it's just a bigger risk. I don't want to take that bigger risk. I just don't think Which they, they don't have the time. Do what? They don't have the time to take that risk. In my yeah. opinion, Sean's contract okay. only four years. Which one do you think makes Deshaun happier? You would think he wants the offensive guy, right? But I don't know. Maybe Eberflus is going to bring an OC that that Deshaun likes more. I don't know. I don't. I don't know Deshaun's mind. But I would, you would think Joe Brady. Right. Yeah, I would. I would have to say Joe. But who do you pick, John? Who do you want? Who do you prefer? Eberflus. Okay, we're all in agreement. We're all in agreement. We're all against yeah. Jayden. Oh, really? I mean, especially Deshaun's comments after the game. About him. Yeah, that was the same comments that he said about BME. So the fact that Deshaun's on the record saying something like that, I think that Iberflus would come in and instantly calm down Deshaun. And potentially, I'm going to skip ahead on our on our outline to bring this up, but potentially with Iberflus, this guy gets to stay. Yeah. And I'll leave it up for just a second longer because. Pat is on the phone, um, but Deshaun came out, said he wants TK to stay. He said he's talking to the ownership directly, talking to Cal directly, and he's going to vouch for him. Granted, Deshaun also vouched for Bill O'Brien, so I'm not entirely sure if we want Deshaun, whom is a wonderful quarterback, to be our selector of coaches, but he has. So if we keep if we go Viberflus, I think we keep Kelly. Does that line of reasoning make sense? It definitely does. And I think the difference between Deshaun um, kind of recommending and saying good things about Bill O'Brien and, and Tim Kelly is like he didn't go out and call Cal about about Bill O'Brien to keep his job, right? He didn't do that. So that, like you said, like that is the big 
deciding factor. That's where we can see the difference. And and Tim Kelly, he he showed good promise. You know, I think he was better than most of us expected. I did not expect him to do as good as he did. He knew how to use the Sean, and he knew how to use the personnel on the team to their strengths for the most part. Um, was he perfect? No, but not many offensive coordinator, rookie offensive coordinators are. Um, there's still some issues with consistency of his play calling, red zone issues, and the fact that we scored on our first drive one time the entire season. That's pure. That's pure coaching because that's those are years in a row. Like, so two seasons, two opening drive touchdowns. Two seasons, two opening drive mm-hmm. touchdowns. And last season, it wasn't even Deshaun. It was AJ McCarron. Oh my yeah. lord. Well, I was saying two for Deshaun because the uh, the Chiefs game that we kind of block out. Um, <laughs> I counted the playoff game, but regardless. Um, if you just do regular seasons, it's two total. If you throw in AJ's, three total, whatever. But that that's a serious issue. And me and Pat talked about it last week, how the running game was on easy mode. Easy mode. And and I've got a slide, and it talks about David Johnson. Yes, he reached career high on average yards per carry, blah, 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 blah. Our running game was trash. Tell me it wasn't. There's no argument against it. There's no argument against it. The numbers after he came back from his his injury and, and his COVID, um, it looked better, sure. But if you look back and you remember the games, literally it would either be a one or two yard rush for David Johnson or 20 plus. There was no consistency. It was either end of the spectrum. And so that inflates his yards per carry numbers. Did they get some better run blocking later in the year? A little bit, yeah. But they're also playing some shitty defensive lines like the Titans and like the Bengals. So that also plays into the part of it. I'm just, I'm, yeah, I don't know how you can say that the run game was good. I can't, Sean. <laughs> it was good for two weeks. That's about it. I mean, so. <clears throat> In y'all's mind, would you be okay if Tim Kelly comes back with Iberflus as the head coach and Tim Kelly as the offensive coordinator? No. I, you got a clean house. Tim Kelly has only worked for Bill O'Brien. And that hasn't worked. It didn't work for seven years. It's It's time to move on. Let Nick and Matt or Joe create their own their own thing. There's no need to hold on to the past. Cut bait, let's move on and build off of it. Deshaun will be fine. Deshaun can work with any of these guys that can come in. They Deshaun knows what is expected of him. He knows what it takes. He knows to put in the work and you know, he'll be fine. Yeah, um I wouldn't be super happy, but I wouldn't be super mad either. I think there are worse options. I would kind of prefer Tim Kelly over anyone on that Colts staff, um, just because he's more of a known commodity of like what we what we already know what his scheme is going to bring. Um, and to kind of think about it in a different way, like because he's not Eberflus's guy, he's going to have a very short leash. So the expectations are going to be high, and if he doesn't live up to that, he's gone. He could be gone as early as midway through the season. And is that ideal for Deshaun? No, but you can move on quickly and you can hire someone else next year when maybe there's another new, bright, up-and-coming offensive mind. That's my thoughts. All right, fair enough. And I didn't talk about Brian Dabble at all because we haven't requested an interview with him. Is that still true, Pat? Have we? No, they have not. Dabble, Salah, or the enemy have not. Dabble makes a ton of sense. Like, with Casario, like, he does. Like, that would be, and in our minds, that would actually be a home run hire. Because we've essentially, Jordan, tell, tell us, you can kind of describe it a little bit better than me, but the Bill O'Brien, Tim Kelly offense was essentially Dabo's offense on easy mode. Oh, yeah. it was it was. was. There's a lot of similar concepts and styles, but it's just Dabo is Tim Kelly on steroids. That's that's really what it is, and, and very consistent um, with that. Um and so also with his scheme, it translates to our personnel really, really easily. 
really easily with what we have with Deshaun Watson, with Will Fuller, with Brandon Cooks, with Kiki QT, even in Randall Cobb. It really works. So I would be all for Brian Dabble. I think that is the higher that number one is the most realistic and number two would make me the happiest because we already know that Joke Easterby is going to be here no matter what. It, the writing's on the wall. He's going to be here, right? So that was my biggest concern with Dabo in the first place is that Dabo's here. Okay, Joke's going to stay. But we know that's already going to happen. Give me Dabo then. We we know. We know. So I'm all for that. And one last thing before we move on from head coaches. Why is Jared Mayo getting all this this buzz as being a possible head coach candidate? Um, correct me if I'm wrong. He, he hasn't even been a defensive coordinator yet, has he? Nope. Nope. That's what the this Patriots year do. First year. That's what the Patriots love to do. They love to hype up these random guys so that the NFL can go steal them and then they'll make a mistake and wrong and hire the wrong guy. That's just my conspiracy theory, but I don't know, man. Yeah, he's the he's just the inside linebackers coach this year. Um but he's getting that talk like Vrabel did when you know, Vrabel was at the end of his playing career and they knew he was gonna get a coaching and stuff like that. So I think it's just a little bit of hype. Um, I wouldn't put anything behind it. Do you think maybe he's a defensive coordinator candidate then? Does that the make Patriots more sense? was terrible this year, so I don't know. But then again, they were missing like five or six starters off the defense due to opt-outs, right? But The uh, Patriots had six opt-outs, which was the most in the league. Um but, so, should we be afraid of Jared Mayo? Do you think that there's anything to that? Not at this time, but I'll ask. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I don't want him to start bringing his New England buddies. That's the whole thing that we're scared about, right? And Pat says, no, Josh McDaniel's absolutely great, but I don't, I don't trust it, man. I don't trust Gerard Mayo being a good DC. I don't. We haven't seen enough from him, and, and I don't want us to become Patriots South 2.0. I don't. I don't want, I don't want Bill O'Brien happening again where he just hires all of his friends and his buddies and the, the guys that he's close to. So I am very much worried about Gerard Mayo. I, no thanks. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of skip the game recap. Do we really want to talk about the game at all? Nope. Do you have any desires? Deshaun Watson should have the entire defense at his funeral so they can let him down one more time. That is a very true statement. Um, How about we just talk a little bit about Deshaun, a little bit about David Johnson, um, and then a little bit about how bad do we think the Texans really were this year. So, Deshaun Watson – Look at those numbers. Aren't they pretty? Uh, 4,823 passing yards first. 8.9 yards per attempt first. 112.4 passing rating second. Seven interceptions, 544 attempts. So um, I'm going to let Jordan kind of lead this off. Have we overhyped Deshaun? Like, are we too excited about him? No, not at all. And there's a lot of, like, talk going on in in the Twitter world where people are coming at Deshaun and and trying to underrate his season. But those are people who don't watch Texans games. You can tell. You can tell by the first sentence in their tweet that they do not watch Texans games. There is no way that we are underrating Deshaun's season. I think everyone in this chat will say that he had an MVP caliber season. Absolutely. You look at the stats is one thing, but you watch the games, you look at everything that he's gone up against, the challenges that the Texans force him to deal with, it's ridiculous. And when you want to talk about the most valuable player to a team, we wouldn't we would be negative in thirty two with without Deshaun Watson. Like it would be insane. It would be horrible. So there is no more valuable player in the entire league than Deshaun Watson. But he's not going to win it, and that's whatever. I still think he should win Offensive Player of the Year at the very least. Um, But that's a different discussion. So I think Pat was, like, dying to talk about how much improvement that Deshaun has had from last season to this season. Um, It's a hang it in the Louvre. Hang it in the Louvre. So for our podcast listeners, on the left we have the, uh, the passer rating. Uh, the passing chart 
for Deshaun Watson from 2019, and on the right we have the 2020. Every single thing that was yellow is now green, except for one little red dot right there where the dump-offs are. Um, and I'll let Pat take it from here. Yeah, I mean, he got better in almost every quadrant of the field. There's a few that it went down a little bit, but that's to be expected when you have that much of an increase everywhere else, especially down the field on the left side, right? Um, And we talked about this before the season, that Deshaun Watson's best area of the field is over the middle, and look what happened. Just past the line of scrimmage to 10 yards, he went from an 85.6 passer rating to a 94.6. And then from 10 yards to 20 yards, he went from a 106.5 to a 120.5. And then even further from that, 20 yards down the field, he had a 50-point jump. To say that Deshaun Watson is not an elite quarterback is insane because we've watched him grow from his rookie year to now with losing one of the best wide receivers in the game, and he still got better. So there's a there's a troll. I don't know how else to describe him, but there is a troll that is trying to make a name for himself. Well, there's actually a couple of trolls, but there's one that just really pisses me off that says that Deshaun Watson is overrated and average. Pat, what would you tell him? I would honestly invite the Bleacher Preacher to come on this show so we can debate it live. Because I don't think he would last very long. Clip it, Paul. Clip it. Send it to him. (laughs) Do it. Bleacher (laughs) Preacher, I am personally inviting you onto our show so we can debate that Deshaun Watson is not overrated. That guy is beyond a troll. He's a... He's a moron. I, I, you can have to keep this in the uh, keep this in the clip, Paul, because I will say it. The, you cannot purposely be that dumb unless you are just trying to get this sort of reaction, and we fell for it. At that point, then you're maybe pretty smart because I fell for it because you pissed me off. But this guy has convinced that Deshaun Watson is completely overrated. He's almost as bad as all the trolls out there that are saying that Deshaun Watson wants to be traded to their team, which, you know, there's there's quite a few of those as well. Um, but this guy, either he's looking for a reaction or he's a moron. And I'm going to side with the first one because there's no way no way somebody's that dumb, right? Right? There's somebody in the chat right now. Oh, I'm a true Texans fan, but Sean on Watson is overrated. Sorry, garbage time doesn't count. So if you're a true Texans fan, I'm going to call you out right now because I'm tired of it you would know this team lost nine games by a touchdown or less this season. So please tell hey, me. that was what I talked about. It's right here. Nine of those losses, when the hell was their garbage time? Because if you're within a possession, there's no garbage time. So please take that and go elsewhere with it. Horrible See, pick. the only garbage time that uh, Deshaun benefited from was when um, Tim Kelly gave up on running the ball. That's it. And that's not even – it's not garbage time. It's just we got down by a score or two, and we had to keep throwing the ball. And at that time, Deshaun got – just came alive. So, yeah, <laughs> absolute troll. Jordan, you got anything to add? He's just he's literally just doing his job, and people will still want to harass him for that. What is Deshaun supposed to do when they're down or when the game is close? Is he not supposed to try and win the game? Is he not supposed to try and pass the ball? Like What, what else do you want from him? I literally do not get it by the people who are still not happy with his performance. Do you want him to be Jesus? Like I, I literally don't get it. He basically already is. So I think those are the type of people that just, they've had their mind set up, nothing will change it, and we just don't got to waste our energy on them. There's just no point because there's no change in their mind. That's how I think about it. All right. Um, the last thing that I'm going to bring up is Mr. David Johnson. Um, during the, towards the end of the, uh, the Colts game, uh, there was a lot of people that were clamoring that they want David Johnson to come back and have a fair shot with a real offensive coordinator. He ended up with a career high of 4.7 yards per carry. This was better than anything he ever did in ever did in Arizona. However, let's be honest, the last two games are really what padded his stats. He had two monster games rushing and one monster game receiving. The rest of the season, he was pretty much a ghost. 
did you see anything from those last three games that says, hey, this guy should come back? The the only way I would be welcoming to David Johnson coming back is if they restructured his contract and it's basically a veteran men deal. That's basically the only way I'd do it because paying him the money that he's being paid right now is just not worth a running back who is so um, dependent on their offensive line success. Because when we saw, we saw when the blocking was better, yeah, he looked better, but so is any running back. Any running back is going to look better when they have the holes there for them. And we did him a disservice by using him incorrectly. We did him a disservice by not upgrading the offensive line and and not having a good offensive line coach. That led to him having no help whatsoever. But we need a running back. If we're going to pay running back big money, they need to be someone who can at least overcome that more than he can. And so personally, I'm out on the David Johnson train. But what do you think, Pat? I mean, yeah, if they brought him back on a cheaper deal, 100%. But... I think it's time to move on and go in a different direction. I'd be okay with keeping Duke, um, yep. but not not David unless he takes a significant pay cut. So, because we all got full of training camp. He was quick. He was agile. You know, he was in and out of the, the holes and looked good. Looked like his old self again. Week one, we saw a little bit of it. There was a little bit of hope, and then it just fell off a cliff. And then it took him talking to a mental health coach for him to look like a decent running back again. And I don't think that's something that this team needs. They don't need to be reliant on a mental health coach to make sure your running back is able to, you know, perform. So I will also say one thing that benefited him um, is whenever he came back from some time off, he looked like he had his legs back. And that's definitely attributed to, you know, just kind of, endurance and and being getting up there it's kind of hard to always play at that high level um especially when the texans whenever he was like healthy and in game they were playing him 85 90 99 percent of the snaps and that's crazy that's something that's always pissed me off this entire season because you see that he kind of gets gassed out there you see that he doesn't have the same juice when that happens but if you split his snaps with duke more 60 40 50 50 even i think you're going to get a better product out of him he's going to have more juice on a down-to-down basis so Looking in that kind of idea where we bring him back on a vet min contract, you also have to play him fewer snaps. Just split the snap share more. One stat that it was actually one of the saddest that I've ever read. Um, I'll give you all a guess. David Johnson led the Texans in broken tackles. How many broken tackles did he have? Five. Yeah, I'm going to say single digits. <laughs> Two? Is it less? It does take two hands to hold up the number. <laughs> oh, okay, it's going to be 12. Oh, no, no, two hands. You have six fingers? <laughs> oh, maybe. You don't know. Are you freak. That's true. Oh, you had two sets of hands. My bad. Eight. Seven. Seven? It's all Led that's the team awful. seven broken tackles. I am pretty sure that is because he got a whole bunch of touches um, compared to everybody else. Um yeah, that's, that's wild. Deshaun probably yeah. had six by breaking sacks alone. You know, I don't even know why Pro Football Reference didn't count broken sacks for Deshaun because I that is a stat, and I don't know it off the top of my head, but it was significantly higher than uh, David yeah. Johnson's broken tackles. So, you know, just sadness, absolute sadness. Um, last question of the of the night from me, or last topic, I guess is how bad are we? Uh, one of the things that was routinely brought up in 2019 that we were not as good as we thought we were is because we went 9-3 and three in one-score games. This year, of course, you know, um, statistics, sometimes they do play out with a big enough sample size. We regressed completely to the mean. 2-8. Um, and eight. So one score, I was counting that as eight points or less because you can get two-point conversions. If you look all the way back from when Bill O'Brien was originally hired in 2014. It's a perfect 500. So my question with that, were we unlucky? Are we that bad? Is Deshaun just that good? What do you think? What do you think of where we're truly at? You go first, Pat. I want to hear what you say. Repeat the question. Sorry, I was reading something. (laughs) 
Uh, Jordan, why don't you? I got distracted. Okay, I'll start. I'll start. Okay, so basically, we're talking about were we actually that bad with all these one-score losses? We went nine and three last year. We were two and eight this year, and but since 2014, we are we have a 500 record in one-score games. So that's kind of why it makes sense. There you go, great graphic, John. That's why it makes sense. It was super high last year, swung the other way this year. Um, are we actually that bad? This is a little tough question because some of those games were definitely luck was involved. The first Titans game where A.J. Brown was out of bounds, the first Colts game, and the second Colts game, and then the second Titans game as well with a, basically a Hail Mary. Like, are you kidding me? That's four games right there that could have easily, easily, easily swung the other direction. I hear that side of the argument. However, you have to think about good teams don't put themselves in these one-score game situations. They don't make it take to the last play. You know what I mean? It doesn't come down to the last play if you're a very good team. There's a reason why we're in all these one-score games, because we can never win, like, double digits. We can never have a comfortable lead. So, yes, we are maybe not as bad as our, what did we end up with, 4-12 and 12 record, but we are a mediocre football team. That's what the roster on this current Texans, um, that's what it says, to be completely honest. I know it's not what we want to hear, but that's my opinion on it. I have to agree. I mean, I get that the, the offense did just enough to keep them in the games, but they didn't do enough to win the games. And obviously the defense was just abysmal. Um, they couldn't cover. They couldn't stop the run. Um, they're poorly coached. So, you know, just to the very last play that the defense played this year um, was a true testament of how bad the coaching was. That kept happening over and over and over again this season. They'd send a guy deep, the safety would bite on the run, and leave the guy on an island. You know, you leave five foot nine Keon Crossan against A.J. Brown, it's a recipe for disaster 99 out of 100 times. So, yeah, I think they're very mediocre. Very. Yeah, I'd actually say that that graphic was more of a reflection on um, Deshaun Watson than anything else. The fact that he was able to fight almost single-handedly to get us within one score of some of these teams, and I think that's what kind of overlooked about it. Um, Looking at the context of why we were in single-score games, entirely because of Deshaun, entirely. Like, there's several games where we had no business being competitor. There's no, there's some games where we had no business coming back the way we did, and that's all on Deshaun. That wins are not a QB stat, but QBs do reflect wins. And for us, what as bad as our team was, specifically our defense to be where we were, it's because we have an amazing quarterback. Like, just plain and simple. We just have an absolutely amazing quarterback that we – Hopefully this next regime does not waste. All right, uh, Jordan, this is usually your time. You got some questions for us. Uh, yeah, so usually I got the questions on Twitter, but today was a little bit too emotional, so I forgot to send out the tweet because there's just so much going on. Timeline was blown up, everything. I just could not handle that. Um, so we'll take your guys' questions in the chat, leave them below, and I'll try and kind of orchestrate this one, and we'll, we'll give you guys your thoughts. So any questions you have, Texans-related, about GM search, head coach search, about this past season, looking to next season, whatever it is, Deshaun Watson, what we all ate for breakfast, I don't care. Ask us whatever, and we will we'll answer you for sure. Oh, man, JJ thoughts. Okay, that's the first question I see. Pat, give me your thoughts on JJ. What's, what's happening next year? Man, you know, if you ask me, you know, week 16, week 17 during his post-game press conferences, it to me it sounded like somebody that didn't want to be here. Um, I'm sorry, week 15 and week 16. But week 17, the tone to me kind of changed a little bit. Um, seeing the way he – the video today that I posted of him walking off the field with Deshaun um, – you know that to me, I feel like he's he wants to be here, and I, I understand that he's 31. Um, he's got maybe two, three years left, so he doesn't. He knows he doesn't have a whole lot of time left in this in the game, but I think he feels like they're closer than they than they really are, and that he he's willing to stick around and see it through um, because that's who JJ is. Um, He's the type of guy that's going to put in the work regardless. 
yeah, he shows a lot of it on social media and he gets a lot of shit for that. But I think, I really think that he's going to stick around for the long haul and try to see this thing through. Interesting. Interesting. I hope so. I hope so. All right. Next question. This one's going to be from me, Paul. Shout out to you. Great intern for Texas Unfiltered. Thank you for the work that you do for us. He wants to know if I feel better about the GOAT from now or from last season. And I've always been high on Jacob Martin. I feel better this season. And I feel better because we've seen a lot more rundown snaps. Run, is that how you say it? Yeah. We've seen a lot more out of him in the run game. And believe it or not, but he was the best edge defender versus the run. The most disciplined, the most one to actually set the edge the most amount of times. Most The guy who wasn't getting beat by tight ends constantly. The guy who wasn't losing the edge. The guy who wasn't flying upfield every other play and losing his gap. That wasn't Jacob Martin. So he proved the one thing that everyone said that he couldn't do, is he played the run better than everyone else on this damn team. And it's a tragedy that Anthony Weaver misused him so much that he dropped him back in coverage and that he rushed him from the interior. But I feel more confident than I did last year than I did with Jacob Martin, and I hope a legit defensive coordinator can get here and use him properly. All right, next question we're going to you, John. Um, Which one should we do? Which one should we do? Should we bring back Will Fuller? What are your thoughts about that? It depends entirely on the contract. I am pretty convinced that we'll either have Fuller or Cooks. We won't have both as much as I would like to have both. Um, When you look at our salary cap and how we get out of salary cap hell, one of them's got to (laughs) go. I hate it, and I absolutely do hate it. I think that Fuller actually has a higher ceiling than Cooks, but outside concussions, Cooks stays healthier. And it seemed like him and Deshaun really did kind of start to have a relationship and start to have chemistry towards the end. Uh, should we bring back Will Fuller? Yes. Whether or not we are going to bring him back, I would say about 50-50. Um, about 50-50. If this, if this steroid or whatever thing, um, this PED suspension actually brings down his value, which it's the NFL, so it really won't, then definitely, if we can get him at the right price. But if we have to pay full market value for him or even franchise tag value for him, then no, unfortunately. Oh, you wouldn't even tag him? That's kind of my dream dream option, but I do get it. The tag is, is very expensive. But thank you to, I'm assuming this is James, um, yeah. says, why are you guys still doing a, a show? Close it down, it's over. But seriously, who are you guys predicting will be the head coach? Pat, prediction time. Who's your guy? Who's it going to be? Eberflus. Eberflus. Okay, and you'd be happy with that. We'd all be happy with that. <laughs> so that is very good. Thank you for, for being a member, ASOT23. And he says, what would you spend this year's draft picks on? Um, draft is always BPA, uh, definitely, but you definitely want to walk out of there with some defenders, definitely. Focus on defensive line and focus on offensive line as well. So I'll look at the trenches, and then I'll look at defense and the secondary as well. So that's what I would do. Moving on. I want to jump in real quick. Go so for it, go for it, Pat. We saw the report come out earlier from NFL Network saying that Nick Casario was not a part of the Corn Ferry list. Mm-hmm. I have just confirmed that that's shit and that he was on their list and was recommended by Jed Hughes. I mean, okay. like, that, that, that helps a little bit from two different people. So this isn't just one that's person a, from two different little, people. That's a little aloe in, in the wound. I think I, it's not Jack, a little bit of faith there. that Jack Easterby is not running the franchise a little bit. No. Okay. Sorry, that was what the phone call was about earlier. Um, all right, let me find another question for you and Jonathan. Um, thank you for the compliments. Thank you for the donation as well. What is going on there? I don't know. I'm gonna quickly skip over that one. They, they donated, so they got it. They got they got the spotlight. Um, we got your, We gave our initial thoughts on Casario. If you do want to go back. Um, the show will be up on YouTube, so you can just go rewind it, and you'll hear all of our all of our thoughts, good and bad. All right, our guy Scottish Texans. He says, "Do you think the top three candidates get interviews now that Nick Casario is here?" John, our Dabble, Bienemy, and Salo, they get interviews. I don't think so. Um, I honestly don't. I think that it's potentially down to Brady and Eberflus. So Sabo or Salo. Has if you went off people that know the franchise, and these aren't high-ranking people within the franchise, but people that know the franchise and know how they used to think, they were pretty high on Salah coming in. 
Now with Easter Bunny and kind of doing his warm tongue deal and Casario now being there, the people that I relied on for that, they don't know. They really don't because Cal is not his father, essentially, was the response I got earlier. They don't know what direction he's trying to build and, and what he's trying to emulate. Like, they don't. So there's that. And the fact that the, they haven't actually, you know, reached out for interviews for these guys is concerning. To me, the fact that they haven't says that they're not going to. Like, it's going to be one of the guys they've already interviewed or somebody we haven't heard of yet. Because those guys are top top targets. Everybody else is going to want them. They'll probably get offered jobs by Wednesday. So, yeah. Yeah, Biennemi kind of makes some sense in Dabble because they're in the playoffs. I guess they want to wait till after, get the actual in-person interview. Um, but Salo doesn't make any sense because the Niners aren't in the playoffs. So they can talk to him in person. So I'm, I'm very confused there. But um, what should Nick Casario do with the, the offensive line, Pat? Um, I would start with cutting Nick Martin and moving Zach Fulton to center and then address the right guard position by either maybe bringing back Greg Manx, who is a free agent. Um, You could possibly move Calamente over there, but I would look at possibly an inexpensive free agent. Um, Maybe Joe Thune, if Nick feels confident in him bringing him down from New England, um, but they would be switching him to the opposite side of the ball, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's a left guard. Yep. So, but, I mean, you can move Max to right guard because he hasn't been playing any left guard this year, so what does it matter? Um, I don't know. They, yeah, I would cut Nick Martin, move Zach Fulton to center, and then look for a, you know, a decent right guard to move forward with. Absolutely, absolutely. I hope he, I hope he takes your word for it. All right, Diego Martinez, what should be, what should we expect from Nick Casario in this organization going forward? That's a loaded question, man. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot to that, but I hope we can expect change. I hope we can expect not the Patriot way. Whatever they're saying is the Houston way. I hope we see winning results. That, that's at the end of the day. That's, that's all I can really hope for. That's all. No matter, I don't care how you get it done, really. If you can get results, then I'm not going to be that mad at it, right? So that's what I hope to expect going forward. Pain still, absolutely, absolutely. Um, who should you draft with the third pick, third overall pick, or our third round pick? Let's say our third. Probably, he probably means the third overall pick. His avatar has the Miami beanie on. So oh, they got to go with him. Yeah, for, uh, oh, no. They gotta go with Josh Fields. Miami take? <laughs> Josh Fields. They need a quarterback. Oh, Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Justin Fields. Yeah. Sorry. You want out on two already? No, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> they gotta go with that left tackle out of Oregon. Yeah, Penny said, "Why that'd be the move." All right, we're gonna do one more question here because we are at an hour, and it's gonna be the last question. I click on in three, two, one. Move Howard to guard and get a new right tackle. Oh, that's not really a question. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> thoughts on Tyrell Adams? Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's end the show, John. Thoughts on Tyrell Adams? That'll be the last question tonight. I mean, I don't know to tell you the truth. Like he 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 put up counting stats. He put up tackles. That's what he's supposed to do. Go out there and tackle. There was a couple yeah. times where he looked like he, you know, he solid tackler, not letting him out. Um. But that, I mean, he dropped an interception, and I don't want to hold that against him. I think that he's one of those, if he's a rotational piece, I think you're in good shape. If he's a starter, I think you're kind of hurting. And with Tyrell Adams, I hope that we can, he's a position that I would look at improving on, but if we don't because we have a lot of needs, I'll be okay with it. It's one of those that I think that if we have a better defensive line, he'll look a little bit better. Um, he won't have as many tackles, but he'll just look better by having a better defensive line. But if we expect to go into our season with Cunningham and Tyrell Adams as our starting linebackers next year, I mean, they're not going to be above average. Doesn't mean they're going to be horrible, but they're not going to be above average. You get Matt Eberflus in there. You give him something to work with. But, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I think he's just – he's not that consistent. And the one thing is that – 
He can't cover. He can't cover either. You need one of your linebackers between Adams or whoever's going to play Mike and Cunningham. You need one of them at least to be able to cover. And we've seen that's not it with Adams. So it is what it is, but that's going to do it. Thank you guys for the questions. Thank you guys for coming out to the show. I'll hand it off to you, John, to close us out. All right. Well, that is the show. Thank you all so much. Um, for joining us, please follow us at Houston Football Pod on Twitter. Uh, my name is John A. Wade 3. We've got Patrick Storm at Patrick Storm TU and Texans underscore thoughts. If you're here, you already know that, so I didn't need to tell you that. But definitely follow those two, two of the smartest guys in football. And I joke around about Jordan, no joke. If he says something that contradicts me, go listen to him. He knows more than I do. Um, also give a shout out to JRL Sports TU. He does a lot of behind the scenes. He's a great, great writer for us. And James, keep poking him at Houston FB Pod Guy. Maybe he'll come back. We hope he comes back sooner rather than later, as it would have been great to get his feedback. But we we love him. We miss him. Give him a poke. Let him know that come back on the show. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. And until next week, unless something crazy happens, we'll see you then.